All right, so stand with me, join me in prayer, and we'll get into the Word of God tonight. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your hand. We thank you for your direction. We thank you for your gentle and firm, sometimes, guidance to get us to where we need to be. Father, we ask tonight that you would open our eyes and open our ears that we may hear and see you, that you would reach into the depths of our heart, that you would go into the secret places that we have hidden, that you would open them up tonight, that you would leave nothing unturned inside of us, that, God, you would purposely reach into our depths tonight and remove wounds and hurts and disappointments, things from our childhood or adulthoods. Father, we don't want to carry any extra baggage into the kingdom. We don't want to give the enemy fuel for any fires he might throw at us. God, we want to be pure and whole and healed people. God, as we pursue your kingdom, as we pursue building in your kingdom, we would ask that you would give unto us the understanding of our callings and our giftings, that we may be good and sharp with them, that we may be accurate with them, that we may have understanding and knowledge of the things that you've called us to do, that we would not be catching up, that we would not always feel like we're behind and not knowing what's going on, that, Father, we would be out in front, we would be leading where you have commanded us to lead. Father, we ask tonight for your guidance. Lord, we need a boldness inside of us. We need a boldness in the guidance in our lives. We need to have that steadfastness that only you can give, God. Only you can give it. Father, whatever is standing in the way of you and what we need from you, God, we ask that you would remove it tonight as far as the east is from the west, that it may never return that it may never whisper in our mind, in our thoughts, in our hearts, that it may never put a path of destruction in front of us, that we may always have the lamp of your word and the power of your spirit to guide us where you have called us to be. We thank you, Father. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right. So we're going to get in tonight to a little bit of teaching and for that, we're going to have to turn the lights back up to their normal brightness because I'm going to use the board tonight. Uh, and so if you want to see it, we're going to have to turn our nice bright lights back up to nice and bright. And you guys know I love that. But so we're going to go from Genesis all the way to, well, there is no end, right? Oh, come on. There's no end. I know you're going to say Revelation. I'm not talking about the Bible. Uh, I mean in general. And so I want you to start with me tonight. We're going to look again at ears have not heard and eyes haven't seen, uh, that God, we talked about a little bit on Wednesday night, and we got a lot of feedback, and people said, we'd like to know more about this timeline of God and the vision of God, and so tonight we're going to do a little bit different. It's, we're going to see how deep we go, uh, and so we're going to understand a timeline. We're going to understand where we're at on it to a degree, because I can't give you accurately, because I don't know. Uh, we're going to uh, operate in the difference of the gift of prophecy, the office of a prophet, how to move in a vision, what those visions are doing, and what's actually happening when God gives you a vision or a prophetic word. Amen. Amen. All right, so that's what we're going to do. Uh, so 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. I still don't believe you got those lights back up. It's a push button and a button and the thing works. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Just as it's written, things which the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard, and which has not entered the human heart, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to talk about the prophet Joel, how he uh, gave a word that in the end days, that his sons and daughters in Acts chapter 2, Verse 17, God said, I'll pour out my spirit on all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will have dreams. He'll pour out a servant on everyone, male and female. He'll pour them out on everyone, and they will prophesy. So if you're a female tonight, you're in this group. And if you're a male tonight, you're in this group. Amen. Amen. And you're only one or the other tonight. You're either a male or a female, so you're in this group. Right? Okay, we're moving past that, but some of you caught it. So... Uh, we're going to keep moving into what we're doing. And so we're gonna, we understand that we are near the end time. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I think every generation has said it. Uh, but we have to understand and really, I mean, I think uh, you have to be putting your head in the sand to not notice where we are in the timeline of God. There's only so much more that society can go and push the envelope of sin and push the envelope of mocking God uh, and I don't think those two things are always the same because you can mock God without sin and you can sin without mocking God. 
but we are getting very close to where uh, we are simply coming to a head where there's not a gray anymore. It's just simply now it's evident or not evident. And a lot of people don't want to call things out that we see in this nation, uh, that we see going on in our government and around the world, uh, because you just don't want to be one of those people to say something. And I get it. Uh, and the people who comment on Facebook or put videos, where are all the people saying it? Well, the better question is, where are all the people who want to hear it? Uh, because talking to nobody doesn't really help anything. All right? And if you read through your prophets in the Old Covenant of your Bible, and even uh, to some degree the apostles, not everybody listened to them. Not everybody wanted to hear it. There's a lot of people who say they want to hear it, but they don't actually want to hear it. People want to hear what they want to hear, but outside that, they're pretty much done wanting to hear. Uh, and we have to understand that we are blessed to be born when we are, but we're somewhere in this timeline between the beginning and the beginning, well, we'll call it revelation, but the beginning of the beginning, because there is no end in God. Now, I don't know when he returns, but we're just going to draw a line here and say this is when Jesus returns. There's no significance to that whatsoever, so don't look into it. It's just a line on a line, all right? So don't analyze it and say he predicted it. No, I wish I could, but I can't. So uh, we know he's returning, and we're somewhere between his resurrection, so we know we're between the cross, and so we know we're between these two points. I believe we're in the third day. I think that's pretty easy to come to that conclusion. So I believe we're somewhere. It doesn't matter, but we're in there, right? Uh, and so I think it's close. I think it's either our generation or next that will be the ones that prepare for the return of the Lord. Uh, and I say that because uh, we have so many opportunities and things given to us now, signs all across the world. If you're looking for them, it all leads to he's returning. Not to mention you have 66 books compiled very nice and neatly that also say the exact same thing. Yeah. Amen. So we're going to talk about where we are in this. Uh, and how we get visions into where this timeline is and what a prophetic word in this line is. And if you go all the way back to the prophets, uh, and you pick Joel, you pick Isaiah, you pick any of these guys back here, uh, and we'll just put them at timeline, they were prophesying about this, right? They were prophesying about Jesus coming, the resurrection, and we're going to celebrate that next week. And then you can go after the cross to John, and John was predicting and prophesying all the way into the return and beyond return into heaven. And so God wasn't just putting this out there as it was happening because in Jeremiah we know while he was in the womb, before he was in the womb, he knew every hair. He knew the man, right? He called him a, a prophet to the nations before there were the nations to be a prophet too. You still with me? You good? I'm going to go a little fast, but you'll, you'll keep up. And so we know that all of this was already done. We know the flood, the ark. We know everything that happened uh, was already established by God. It was not created as God was talking about it. That was done in Genesis, and everything was completed in the beginning, and the completion was complete. Pretty amazing, isn't it? I know. Everything in the entire Bible is in Genesis, by the way, if you read it. But moving past that. So we, we are somewhere in here, and tonight we're going to find out how to see where we are in this spot. That's the plan. All right? That's our plan. And I'm going to give them a little bit of hair and a little bit of attitude because it's going to take a little bit of an attitude uh, to be able to push into what we need to push in to see what God is showing us. Uh, because God is talking to all of us all the time, and it's not that God isn't talking. There's just not enough of us listening. People are praying for prophetic words or to use me or give me more gifting, and I think uh, personally from hanging out uh, with the Lord in time of prayer and with him in the spirit, it's not the case. The case is we don't want to hear what he's saying. Like we, just, we don't want to hear it because nowhere in Bible did anyone ever called of God say anything that the society or culture of the time they were in were excited to hear. Ever. There was not a single prophet who was received with open arms. They were all horribly uh, punished or killed or treated bad. Even the 12 disciples in Jesus, their lives did not end what we would call good at all. Uh, we read about the highlights of their life in the Bible, but their lives outside that, their lives that we don't find in Scripture, were rough. These men, their families were persecuted, they were hated, they were mocked, they were picked on. And all through your Bible, this has been happening from time and time, from revelations uh, of Jesus Christ being presented into revivals and moving all the way up to where we are now 
that men and women of God have suffered for being people who are willing to see. That's just part of it. If you want a peaceful life, if you want where the enemy won't mess with you, if you don't want to get spiritually attacked, if you don't want to be convicted, if you don't want God to treat you as a son or daughter, then none of this is for you. The intimacy that we need to have with God for him to reveal things to us is on a so much deeper level than what we present on Sunday mornings or pretty much anywhere we go to church because that intimacy is God is above everything. Everyone in your entire life, God is above. You should love no one more than God. Absolutely nobody. Nobody. Not your spouse, not your kids, nobody. God's first. Absolutely first. And a lot of people, they can't handle that. They're, the jealousy is, I don't want my husband to love God more than me or my wife to love God more than, or my children. But the fact of it is, the intimacy that we need with God is put Jesus, the kingdom of God first, and all these things will come to you. But that is to love your Lord God with all your heart and all your soul. I know you know this, but this is what it means. It means there's nothing you love more than God. Absolutely nothing. It's deep. Good, right? Yeah, we're just getting started. You excited? Right? So when you hear someone say that sermon went long or somebody uh, preached for a long time, no, the problem was your attention span is not trained into listening. That's what we're really saying. Your passion isn't there. Because football games are four hours long with commercials on every good part. Movies are an hour and a half to two hours long. People ride more than 30 minutes, 35 minutes to work one way. People do a lot of things longer than your 30-minute normal message in church. People say, well, pray for five minutes is hard. Uh, there's people out there who can gossip for 40, 50, an hour of a day about people. There's people that can text a thousand text messages a day, uh, but they can't read the Bible. It's the same device. There's an app on there. You can, you can do this. People say, I don't like reading, but you'll read, read emails over, and you'll read TikTok and all this other garbage that you shouldn't be looking at. Oh, come on. We don't have the money to invest in it. We invest in the stuff that no one really outside of here cares about. No one in heaven cares what logo's on your shirt or your shoes. Right? They don't care what's on the car. They don't care any of this stuff. And you say, well, we're people who, no, we have it all. We just don't have it for God. And we don't have it for God. I'm not trying to sound anything. But the men and women that you read about that do these things, they are not special in the sense of, selective specialness they're special because they gave everything to god they they had a choice like you and i so when you read in the last days god's going to pour out all his spirit it doesn't mean you're just going to be able to stand there put your hand up and god's just going to give it to you oh come on good friday night right all right we're not we're not even in the meat of it yet so this is good all right so we're going to go to romans chapter 12 you all right you good all right, we're going there you'll be fine right and so romans chapter 12 we're going to go to verse 6 However, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each one to use them properly, if prophecy in proportion to one's faith. It's not the gift that we need to learn how to get. It's how to use the gift we have. You're supposed to be using your gift properly. and You're supposed to be using it according to the amount of faith that you have. It's right here in your Bible in the service, the act of serving for the one who teaches, the act of teaching to the one who exhorts in the work of exhortation, the one who gives generously, the one who's in leadership with diligence, the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And it goes on and just, it, it's giving us instruction that if God's given you a gift, you should learn how to use the gift. You should learn how to use your gift. Amen. Everyone say amen. amen. Right? So instead of learning all the other stuff that we're learning, and some of that is important and some of it is not, but you need to learn how to use your gift. You don't need to practice with your gift. It's your gift. It's given to you, but you need to learn how to use it. If you have to make your gift work, it's probably you making your gift work. Okay? I can't sing. I can make a noise. I can't sing. If I practice hard enough and get enough lessons, it might not be noise but it won't be singing. Someone born with the gift of singing does not have to go learn to sing. They just have to learn how to use the gift. Right? You can't give someone a gift. You can copy and mock it, but you can't give someone a gift. There's going to be a lot of people who want the gift of seeing, who want this gift of this revelatory thing uh, to look in these places and this timeline stamped where God wants it. And one of the main things that you have to have to have a gift from God is you have to care about the gift giver more than the gift. You've, you've got to give God the attention, the time, the relationship, because if not, your gift is going to sit dormant. 
And this is, this is how I like to look at it. You can do what you want with it. But in every one of us, there is a gift that God's given us in every one of us. And that gift is given to us by a big covering of grace. And you've got to feed this thing. You feed your gift with the intimacy you give God. If you don't give God intimacy, your gift starves. You give it intimacy, your gift grows. You can't feed this with anything else. Right? Can you read your Bible and not know Scripture? Absolutely you can. You can memorize Scripture and not know God in it. Uh, James tells us that the devils, the demons, they know Scripture too and they tremble. Quoting a Bible verse does not make you a Christian. It means you have a good memory. Right? Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Doing all this stuff doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is being Christ-like, adopting the name of who you are of. Out of this comes the grace and the gift. You feed it with intimacy. You start to become one of these people who start to see in to what God is doing. Why? Does God need to trust you? Well, God doesn't just share everything with everybody all the time. He's not selective, but John was one of the few guys who got to see Moses and Elijah and the Father when Jesus transfigured. Not everybody got to see it. Uh, there was a lot of times where Jesus told others to go and just leave Peter with them. And why? Because they had favorites? No. Because according to the measure of their faith, they could handle what they were about to see. Amen. Amen. You still with me? All right. So according to the measure of the faith that you have in your gift that was given to you in a grace that you fed with relationship is where you're going to see and how you're going to see. So if you're not seeing anything, you're not feeding the right thing. Amen. All right, I'm going to get you involved by the end of this. I can see people online are involved, but I'm going to get you involved. And so you're going to feed it with, you, with your relationship with God and your intimacy with God, and then he's going to pour out your dreams and your vision. You say, well, if God pours it out and we know it's coming, and according to the measure of faith, then by default we all have it. Well, you might all have it, but it doesn't mean that you're going to do anything with it. How can that be? You know, people stood right next to Jesus in his hometown and never felt an anointing. They bumped into him. Yeah, listen, people got Jesus' blood on their hands when they nailed him to the cross, and that blood didn't do anything to him. Think about that. They held him down, touched him. Nothing happened to him. A woman touches the hem of his garment. 12, 13 years of blood healed. Other people hold him to the ground. Nothing happens. Come on, there's something different about just having a head knowledge of him and actually knowing him. So yes, the gift of all this could be resting on all of us, and you'll never operate in it any more than the ones in his hometown. He did a few healings, or the ones who held him down. You think that blood coming out of Jesus on the cross would have saved those men who were nailing him to it. But the thief on the cross got saved without ever touching him. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It's not that God has not poured out like God said. God has poured out. He's done his job. But he's just looking for us who are willing to live a life to actually do this. But you're not going to see into the supernatural realm of God by living a life distant or part-time Christianity or convenient Christianity. It just doesn't happen. It's not that God's failing. I challenge everyone who tells me they can't hear from God. Take seven days, three days, I'm not a doctor, 21, and fast. And do nothing but read your Bible five hours a day and pray for three hours a day. At the end of 21 days, tell me you didn't hear from God. Guarantee you'll hear from God. You say, well, that's a big commitment. You ever meet someone who first meets someone in a relationship? All they do is talk. They avoid sleep and everything to talk. Right? And then what happens uh, after a while? We're like, well, that's just a person. And that's how we start treating God. Well, I've been a Christian for 30 years. Then you should be the most passionate person in the building. Not the most laid down, relaxed person. You should be the one at the meeting that all the wrestlers are saying, what is wrong with them? And I would say to you, that's 30 years of knowing God. Their love keeps growing. God doesn't stop growing. His love never, ever, ever wavers or fails. So how do we get complacent in it? Because we go to a point of intimacy where we know we're going to heaven. We go a couple services a year and we're good to go. And then at the end time, we want these visions and dreams and prophetic words poured out on us. And we say, God, how, why won't you do it? Like, it's like coming to someone's house that you know on the holidays and saying, take me into your bedroom and show me the most intimate parts of your life. No. Why not? I don't know you. Well, I'm here every holiday. I know you for 45 minutes, three times a year in front of people. 
Amen. All right. I know you're, you're loving it, right? And so the proportion of your faith, and how would you grow your faith in the gift of this stuff? You grow your faith by knowing of who's giving you the gift. The first time you prophesy is not easy because you don't know if it's going to work. The second time gets a little easier. By the 12th, 100th time, you pretty much have faith you can do this. How does someone get up here and sing? The first time, you're probably nervous. After you've done it for a while, you know God's going to use you. How about preaching? It's the same thing. And after a while, you don't need your notes. You don't need Bible scripture because you trust God. Your faith has grown in your gift. Seeing visions, prophecy is the exact same thing. I know people want to see into where we are in this, and I think we all should be seeing in it. And it's not God who's holding it back. You got to remember, when you enter into this place in this supernatural world, now that drawing does not represent that, but in the supernatural realm, what I'm talking about, it took an angel 21 days to get to Daniel. If you're hanging out in that place for 21 days, listen to what I'm telling you. You're hanging out there alone for 21 days between two spiritual battles and you are by yourself. You better be a man or woman of some kind of spiritual grit to make it through those 21 days. That's not a cakewalk. That's 21 days of fighting to get to you. You don't think the enemy is going after the receiver of the angel who's coming to get him? Oh, come on. If you were an enemy and you knew that this person is getting a word from God and you know you got word of God coming from up here in heaven and you got angels coming to fight it and you got Satan fighting it too for 21 days, you don't think uh, uh, Satan at one point said, you know, if we take this guy out, we don't have to worry about it. Stop 21 days of fighting. Eliminate this person. Watch. Watch how easy this is. 21 days gone. There's no reason to. There's no reason. And trust me, when this word was released, the enemy knew who it was coming to. If not, he wouldn't have fought. He knew it was coming. You're telling me that now that God is raising up in the end days men and women who are going to prophesy and go, God, give them the hair, go out there and do war, and you don't think that there's any spiritual attacks coming towards this person or persons? Come on. It, I mean, it's, it's in your Bible. Look what Daniel, look what all these men and women went through. Look what Paul, look what Peter, look what, John, look what all of them went through. They're all having, uh, you know, we don't, you say, well, nothing's happening to you. Well, that doesn't mean it's not happening. It just means you don't know what's happening. You don't know what's being fought from you seeing. You don't know if it's five days or seven days or 21. You don't know. Why did Daniel go into a 21-day fast? Why do we even have a thing called a Daniel fast? The guy did something so spiritual and miraculous, we still to this day use a Daniel fast. I mean, that's, that must have stood out. Right? We still do it. And I know he was doing it against the king, and he wouldn't bow to the king. Uh, and when the angel finally got to Daniel, he was ill. I mean, it, you know, the word, the power of it, the vision of it, it knocked Daniel down. He was ill. Right? So this is not a passive position for people to stand in. This takes someone who's done the, the spiritual stuff that they need to do to stand in the attack and the aftermath of what you see. If God really showed someone what's going to happen in 10, 15 years of this nation, it would break your heart, it would excite you, it would make you anxious, it would make you bold, it would, you'd have a whole slew of emotions. You, you would, if you actually saw the Lord return in a vision, you, your heart would be broken and happy all at the same time. You would see the weeping and the gnashing and the screaming and the joy. And the, you, you, you're, you couldn't handle it in the current condition that we have of understanding of God. We wouldn't be able to do it. Somewhere along the line, we got away from preparing people for spiritual encounters and living in the spirit of God and we prepared people for arguing about the color of a wall in a church for three months with a committee yeah I know so who's that might have been too extreme we could argue about the outside decorations we could argue about is there going to be a Christmas tree or not oh, that's a good, or Easter rabbits and eggs moving on so yeah, just moving on. So we need this right here. We need to get these things in us built up. We need to get so where there's a hunger in you to want to understand how to see the things of God, not to entice you with TVs, cars, and rabbits and eggs. So what happened to us? 
What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Is that there was a point where we wanted to see the visions of God. We wanted to be in the encounter. And then someone started talking about the encounter of God. And culture went this direction. And we're this direction. And so now we're so far away from where we should be that even a little commitment towards God. And we feel like we're superheroes for God. Like we feel like we're, we've arrived in it. And you, you say to yourself, you know, how, how do we live this life here and have all that we need so we can do this. Well, the Bible says if we seek the kingdom of God first, everything else will be given to you. Yeah. Everything else. I don't know how to tell you how God is going to give you enough money. I don't know how to tell you how God is going to work in your family. or how God, I don't know, but I know the Bible doesn't lie. Yeah, and so if we seek him first, don't worry about tomorrow. God will take care of it. If you worry about tomorrow, you're not going to seek him. And we're not going to grow in faith. Are you with me? We're still not in the meat. We're getting there. You with me? We're good, right? All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're so close. Now, verse 4. Now, there are variations of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are variations of ministries and the same Lord. There are variations of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given a manifestation of Spirit for the common good. And we're going to stop here for a minute. And we're going to flip this thing, and we're going to talk about for the common good. It's not making you, me, anyone special to know the timeline of God, okay? What it's for is the common good of all of us. Without us having this, you know, we are not uh, the head being led. We're the tail. We, we have lamps, but we're not really looking at anything. We're as shocked as everyone else is when something happens. We've confused the gift of prophecy and the office of a prophet into visions and dreams and words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And that's what we're going to, that's the actual meat of what we're going to talk about. Now, how long we talk about it, I don't know. But we want to get to a place where in this line of where God is in our life, that he brings this events up and he makes them crystal clear that you can see exactly what is going on in here. You can see it crystal clear, everything that's going on. I wish I could draw better, put a house, I put all kinds of stuff in there. But we want to be able to see into this spot, enter into the spiritual realm to see where this is going on and relay this back to where we currently are that's coming out of the word of prophecy, not in the gifting of prophecy, but in the office of prophecy so that this person here can be built and equipped for the work of ministry. Because that's our job. That's our job. That's what your gift is for. That's our job. Listen, for one person, verse 8, the word of wisdom through the Spirit. Another, the word of knowledge through the Spirit. Another, faith. Another, gifts of healing. It, it, it lists all these spirits, goes down, and is letting us know all these gifts are from the same Spirit place. All these gifts. And they're all to get you. You're this person. This is you. It's all to get you right here. My marker died. All to get you right here. That's what it's for. You, me, and everyone in the kingdom of God. We need this to be able to see back to tell this person that this was out here because this person here is happy and excited but when this happens you're telling it back to the person here before they're ever there and there they're sad and doing nothing this is this person after this person told them what they saw here are you following me this guy here is telling this person there this what he saw there because he's looking ahead sees it relays it, this person ends up there, they're happy. That's building a kingdom. That's building a kingdom. That's what's supposed to happen. Ananias was told by God, right? There's a blind person. Paul's blind, right? Go open his eyes. Now Paul's here. Good word for this guy. Happy he got it. Are you following me, right? All of you somewhere in your life. So when you see a prophetic word, that's not the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is to edify, encourage, and comfort. And I want you to look at that because it says it right in the Bible what prophecy is for in 1 Corinthians 14. But the one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation. Build up, encourage, and comfort. We made the gifting of prophecy, the office of prophet, about making people feel good. That is not the gift that pushes into someone's timeline to see what's going on in our life, to relay it back so that they can get to here. You know what that is? That's giving you goosebumps and making you feel good while you're in the service. 
a gift of encouraging word, edifying and comfort. You can do it anytime to anyone. It's almost like preaching. You can just pick someone out and you can say, the Lord says to you, God's going to increase you and bless you. He's going to put a, a hedge of protection around you and your family. Uh, the struggles you're going through financially, God's going to change them. He's going to move them. And God's going to give you favor at work. He's going to give you favor and intimacy with your wife. He's going to bless your children, put a hedge. And you can go on and on and prophesy encouragement and comfort and edification all day to everybody. And that's what we should be doing. But you don't build a doctrine out of that. You don't build a foundation out of that. You build edifying, encouraging, and comforting out of that with words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and sometimes, prophetically, in a couple weeks, you're going to get a raise. I mean, everybody likes that, right? Oh, come on. But in Ephesians 4, the list of the ascension gifts are to edify. No, they are to equip the saints. Equipping is different then edifying or comfort, it's right in Ephesians 4. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to building up the body of Christ. That is a lot different than giving you an encouraging word to make you feel good about yourself and make you smile when you leave tonight. Right? So prophecy, the gifting, is not the office of a prophet in equipping. There's a difference. And we made this tail sign of most prophetic people. Can you edify, comfort, and, and exhort someone? Can you make them feel better? If they can, that's an accurate prophet with words of wisdom and words of knowledge. The real prophetic apostolic actual definition is equipping and building. Now I want to show you the difference. You excited? You good? All right, so you're here, right? You're here, and God has got someone anywhere in this line it doesn't matter because you think you're actually in a line and you're not you are floating in nowhere land until you ground yourself to where god's called you in the kingdom so in your mind you're here right now but you're only here right now in your mind and your body but spiritually you are about to be put into the timeline in the kingdom building where god wants you now why doesn't god put you there yet because he didn't call you there yet. It's not time to tell you yet. If it was time to tell you, you would have been told. God's never late. He's always on time, right? right? So we think we're just moseying along, doing what we're supposed to do. And somewhere in this timeline of kingdom building, your life in the end, you think you're going to find it. So most people assume it's got to be out here because you're already past this. You didn't pass anything. Because you don't technically begin kingdom building until you start building just because you're down here doesn't mean you weren't supposed to stay here. You just went down there. Right? So we do this a lot. We all think we're kingdom building without knowing the, like, if I drew it, it would just look like scribbles. Like we are all over the place. I'm building here. God's called me there. I'm over here. I'm over there. I'm up there. I'm there. And we go get a word from someone, and it's encouraging and edifying, and you're going to work with kids, and God's got his hand on you, and you have a good heart. And, and you all of a sudden you think, here, I'm where I'm supposed to be. And you lock into it. And nothing works. No, nothing, nothing plays out. You don't have the visions. You're not having it. Nothing works. And you're in your own timeline of where you think God planted you or put you because you went by feel good. Right? But here's what actually happens. God has your name already established where he wants you. Already. He's waiting for you to get to somewhere in a vicinity where he can show this. In the Old Testament, he called them seers. Show that to the person who's going to then give it to you. For the equipping and the building of the body. This is what the visions and the pouring out of the Spirit is supposed to be accomplishing before the Lord returns. Not just a gift of prophecy. We can all do that. But we've got to get to the preparation 
of starting to be able to get in the atmosphere and in the presence of God to where we are seeing where somebody's coming, that we know they're coming, and oh my gosh, we're out of service, the person showed up. Guess what's going to happen? These two things are going to connect tonight. Equipping, building the saints start to happen. This person now starts to continue moving forward into kingdom building. That's what God's pouring out in the end days. Not this feel-good, emotional, like, encouraging, because that's not going to change the world we live in. It's, it's not going to, I mean, it'll make us feel better, but it's not the church. We can be as nice and polite and as encouraging as we want. Somewhere along the line, we've got to start taking the weapons of our warfare that are spiritual, that God has given us, and plant the people in those strategic places that God has called so we start shifting the nation back towards God before we run out of what we think is time for it to happen. Like, it's not going to happen just telling people how great they are. What that does is make people believe that they already had this experience. But this experience only comes from a place of intimacy that grounds you in actual equipping. The other stuff just makes you feel like you're there. And a lot of people got prophetic words from people with the gift of prophecy, and they were accurate because it was words of wisdom, they were accurate because it was words of knowledge, and it made you feel good. So all your check marks went off. Must be God, must be God, must be God. If you talk to Jeremiah when he was thrown into a pit, he probably said, this must not be God. Or Joseph when he was thrown into a pit. Or when Paul's in prison. Or look at the kind of words that these men and women got that actually radically changed the entire culture and moved what God was doing spiritually. They didn't get words of how great you are, how wonderful you are. Oh, look how awesome and pretty you are and everything's going to work out for you. Paul gets, you are going to suffer. I, you are a chosen person. You will suffer much for my sake. Nobody, I've never heard anyone give a word like that in, so far in my life to anyone sitting there. I couldn't even imagine the response of people. They would say, that is not a prophet. You're supposed to edify, encourage, and comfort. No, no, no. That's the gift of prophecy. The office of a prophet is establishing, and thank God that, that Paul received the office of that prophetic word in the equipping in you will suffer much how important was that to him it made him feel like he's not wrong out of place doing anything wrong being attacked he knew God so good that when a thorn a messer was given to him he prayed three times and knew the answer because he already was established on I'm going to suffer much that is the call the mandate that is the fabric of my use in the kingdom what do we tell people god loves you you're great everything's going to work out and then we're going to advance and take over the spiritual oppression that's on this nation by saying everyone looks great we love you you know you're going to get a raise everyone loves you you're going to have everything your house will be great your cars will be awesome man what we need is someone to actually stand up there tap into this timeline of god let the scene actually happen and say it to people who need to hear it you might be a person who's going to suffer much for the kingdom you might lose everything you have for the kingdom, but you'll advance me in glory. You may become what everyone's count as nothing, but I'll pour out signs and wonders that people can't deny. You may become the very thing you despise, but I'll use you to break the things that used to break you. You may be, you know what I mean? That's, that is foundational, equipping, real grabbing into the visions of God of what he's doing. That's the real meat of the gospel. Because the timeline of God and from Genesis to Revelation till he returns, it is a war. It is a spiritual war going on for you, your children, and next generation, how many of us? I don't know, but it is a real war. God doesn't need passive, feel good, make me, I'm hurt, my feelings. God, don't talk to me that way. He needs men and women who we can actually call with an equipping and the work of ministry mentality. You're in a job. This is your job. This is what you're called to do. You're in a kingdom. You enlisted. This is your job. I am sending you there. But God, I don't like those people. That's where you're going. I'm sending you there. I don't like dry land. I don't like the sun. You're going there. I'm sending you here. I don't like the cold. I don't want to go. You're going there. What do we say when we hear that? God would never say that to me. 
God knows I like the warmth. He would send me somewhere warm. That's got to be the enemy. Come on. We built this, this whole idea of seeing and visions off of a gifting of prophecy. That's like the gifting of helps. The gifting of, of hospitality or of love or of comfort. That's not foundational. There's only five equippings in the Bible that are for you and I to become part of the kingdom. And as the pastor, the prophet, the evangelist, the teacher, and the, what am I missing? The prophet, right? And so, I know I went out of order, but that's for the equipping for the work of ministry. We need to get those guys, those, those five, those things back up and running and have that kind of input into our life with actual accuracy and, and hitting the spot that God is showing them on this line so we can be effective. Instead of running around hurt and wounded because the prophetic word you gave about how great I am wore off. God's called you in deliverance ministry. He didn't call you into feeling good every day, to having everything work out, to not having any spiritual problems, to not having a bullseye on you. God's called you to be in a place of war where you better learn how to protect your mind, how to protect your body, how to protect your loved ones. Like You better be on level 10 all the time. Well, I want to be in deliverance ministry and just be flowers and roses, and I don't know why my life's falling apart. Because God's called you to go right into the enemy's camp. Like, what do you think is going to be in there? What kind of person do you think you need to be to go into that? Well, you know, God, there's no healers anymore. No, there's tons of healers. People just refuse to call. You want me to go touch people to have diseases? No, I want you to heal them over the phone. Right? So where's the great healing revival of this nation? It's not going to happen if there aren't men and women who can hear this call and say, you will go to the sick. You will touch those with disease. You will lay hands on those that are contagious. You know, nobody wants that part. They want, to heal, they want to hear this part. I have a healing ministry. Oh, good Friday to you all, right? right? Well, God's going to call some of you prophets, right? You want, you want a seeing gift. You want to be a prophetic person then you got to see through all the atmosphere of demons and angels and all the junk that comes with the torment of your mind, the attack of your sanity, uh, the, the attacks of fear that hit on most people with prophetic gifts, all those things you have to overcome to look into a realm that you're not allowed to look into. Now, it doesn't end there. You also have to be a person of such trustworthiness that you're going to invade people's free will, look right into what they're hiding, and publicly say it. Yeah, there's no requirements for that. You just wake up, put your hand up, and God says, oh, well, I'm just going to pick you. Of course there's requirements. That was sarcasm. You're going to have to be a person who has proven worthy of being able to handle that kind of knowledge about people, not be a blabbermouth. And you better be able to fight spiritually. And you better have the ability not to connect what you see about people to the people. It's not just... I'm going to look in the end days into a vision on a timeline of God, connect to where it is, and cast that out on YouTube. No, no, no. That's not, that's not the way this works. This is 12 people change the world as we know it. God doesn't need 100,000 of us in this country. He needs one Jonah to walk down the road. One Paul to start visiting churches. One. One Peter you know what I mean? One John, one Matthew. Imagine what Matthew, Mark, and John would do released in York County. Imagine what Paul would do in your state. He'd empty every church. During COVID, Paul would have been on the streets. He'd have touched everybody. Him and Peter, they would have touched everybody. They'd have been lying up for their shadows to touch them. They'd have been praying in the Spirit, and if they would have got sick, Paul says, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How do you stop that guy? Paul, get inside. You're going to catch it. Don't care. Paul, you're going to die. Don't care. Paul, you're going to be arrested. Don't care. Paul, you haven't eaten in a month. Don't care. Paul, over Facebook, they're picking on you. Don't care. Why don't you care? 
Because the word given to me that was brought through Ananias, that sealed what God said to me, was establishing, was an actual equipping word established, Paul, that you will suffer much. And Paul grabbed it and said, okay, okay, if I'm going to suffer, let's go. Snake bites him. You know why he doesn't care? Who cares? Paul doesn't care if he dies, he lives. If he lives, he dies. He doesn't care. He already knows he's only existent for that. There's no more argument in his mind. You get called to deliverance in the authoritative position of that word. You don't say, oh, I don't want demons to chase me. You, you're expected. You expect it. Why do you have warfare all the time? Because I cast out demons. Because I go into people's lives and I free them from mental torment, from fear, from anxiety, from drug addictions, from phobias, from depression. I see demons scream and come out of them. What do you expect that person's life is like? At home when no one's around. You think they're sitting there, you know what I mean, just like praying like, Lord, if you could, it'd be great if you'd bless me. You think someone with that kind of ministry prays that way? They don't pray that way. When they pray, they shake heaven. Come on. How do you think an evangelist prays when he's praying before he goes to a meeting? He's not praying like, God, I hope someone's there to receive tonight. I hope there's a heart. I hope you can move a wall. He's praying in such faith that he's believing for who you never thought would get saved to get saved in his meeting or her meeting. Either way. You know what I mean? Like They're praying a faith prayer belief, pushing through the atmosphere because they got established by the vision given and seen back to them. That was from the timing, the, the stamp of God. Not from, oh, you're going to go help people and you're going to open their eyes and you're going to lead them. People are like, oh, it's great. And as soon as you get opposition, there's no, there's no equipping. There, there was nothing to grab a hold of. Paul tells Timothy, war with the spiritual word over your life. War with the prophetic words over your life. And then Paul tells Timothy, I was there. We laid hands on you. I saw the gift of God in you. Stir that thing. You can't tell that to someone to say, you're doing really good. Really proud of you. Keep going. You're a champion for God. Now, that might be true. How do you war with that? How do you war with that? Why did, why did Paul tell Timothy, hey, listen, you've not been given a spirit of fear, power, love, and a sound mind. Why did Paul tell him that? Because he's reminding Timothy of this place. God called Timothy to go with Paul. God told Timothy, you're going to pastor for Paul. God told Timothy, you're going with a man that most people won't go with. You better get in shape. You're going to be mentored by Paul. You, you, you're not telling him you're scared. You know what he's going to tell you? You weren't given that. I was there when you got it, and it wasn't part of the download. I was there. My hands were laid on you when you impart that gift, and I do not remember imparting fear to you. That's not from God. Come on, right? So if Paul's in prison, someone says, Paul, this isn't God. He would never do this. Paul can stand up, gird himself up, and war with, he can war with, I have been called to suffer for the sake of the gospel. Because they did. They came, and they tied himself up and told Paul, if you go to this city, this is what's going to happen to you. What did Paul say? I'm going. Why? Did he, did he come against God? No. He knew he's supposed to suffer. He wasn't shocked. Oh, come on. Right? In the end days, he's going to pour out his spirit. We're going to have visions. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see this. This is going to be established through someone to put you where you need to be. Broken and used and spent. And when God takes you home, you're going to have the scars and the battles of everything you did. And you're going to have the thousands and thousands of people that are in the trail of what God used you to reach. And you're all going to rejoice in heaven. All of us. And no one there is going to say, I could really use an encouraging word today. Right? What does the encouraging word build? I want you to read it with me one more time before we wrap this up. But one who prophesies speaks to men. Speaks to men. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Speaks to men. Ephesians 4. For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the building of the body of Christ. Till we attain the unity of faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, the mature man, the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of God. Do you see a little bit of difference there? Come on. Do you see a little bit of difference? 
One is for man, and the other is to build the kingdom of God with some warriors who are going to go out there and change the culture and change the United States of America and change the rest of the world as we advance the kingdom boldly warring out of the word that has been grounded in the foundation of the line of the timeline that God's given, and every one of you have to be in it. And I can say it with 100% certainty, because if you're alive now, you're alive for a reason. You're alive for a reason. Well, I don't want to be called to this. Not your choice. You're here. Well, I don't want to be in this generation. You're in it. I don't want to be a part of what's happening. You are here. You are here. There's no reason to fight this. You are here. You're not changing this. You are here. Why did God have you now not 100 years ago? Guess what? Guess what? You're here. Some of you are here. Some of you are here. Oh, man, I tell you what, God tonight could just start calling your names out of these places and start establishing them to you. And if he did, people would be like, that would be awesome. And I'd be like, it would be awesome, but it probably wouldn't be the way you'd want to hear it. You know what I mean? And then you get the word, you'd be like, oh, that guy, I'm never going back. That's not how God talks. Jesus told Peter right to his face, you will never fish, paraphrasing, you will never fish again. I'm going to make you a fisherman of men. Right? What's he going to do? Go catch men in a net. That sounds great. Everyone's like, I want to be a fisherman of men. Do you know the kind of men you have to catch in a net are not the kind of men you want to go reach? When I heard that the first time, I was like, that does not sound good. He says, you, Peter, upon you, you are my rock. Think about that statement. And on you, I will build, upon you, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not what? Prevail against it. Doesn't say the gates of hell will not try. Doesn't say the gates of hell aren't going to be mad at you. It just says, there's Peter, right? And this is, a, this is not the whole church. I'm just doing it. He's going to build a church and the whole gates of hell. It won't prevail against it. It doesn't say they're not going to try. Amen. Jesus never said, I'm putting a hedge around you. He said they will not prevail against it. Didn't say he wouldn't attack them. Everyone's like, oh, I'd love that call. You want to be the rock that the church is built on. Listen, don't take this the wrong way. But people get hurt in church because someone didn't hug them. (laughs) You're not the rock the church is built on. Amen. Now, if I gave you a prophetic word, I'd say, you were hurt in church, and that person who didn't hug you, God's working on her heart, and you're going to be okay. And everyone's like, yes, finally, I get validation for that wound. Meanwhile, Peter is fighting the gates of hell. And we're saying, God, use me. And Peter's saying, you get hurt from a hug. (laughs) I'm not making fun of it, but there's seriously people that go to church full of people who are here for God who get offended when people who need God hurt them. It's like going to a doctor's office and getting mad you caught a cold in the waiting room. God's got to be saying, you are upset with the very thing I'm calling you to help with. You got offended at the very thing I called you into. The reason you're called into it is because people are like this. Oh, we're going to end on this because you got to hear this. I got to tell you the secret about church. It's going to change your mind, some of you. This is going to change your life. Church is full of people who need God. Then God calls those people to help people who are full of people who need God. And then we're shocked when we're using church and get hurt by people that are here because they need God. Amen. Who would you like to have in your church? Everyone who doesn't need God. Everyone who's not difficult. Everyone who's not bothersome. Everyone who doesn't hurt me. Everyone who doesn't complain. So you don't really want to be a part of the kingdom. Where do you think you're going to get hurt the most at? Around other people who are hurt. What's our job? To help the hurting and the lost and the blind and the deaf and the lame and the ones who need God. Guess what people who need God are like? Me. That's what they're like. They're like you. That's what they're like. Look around. That's what people who need God look like. This is how we act. This is who we are. This is why you need called into ministry to help the people like me. If I make you mad helping me, I did that without you. You're supposed to be helping me. But you have to respond a certain way for you to help me. Then that doesn't help me. 
I need you to help me until I can respond that way. Oh, come on. This nation is like a big church right now. Everyone's mad at everybody and divided, it seems like. And no one wants to say anyone to anyone because nobody wants to be the one saying it. But everyone knows their problem and says it to everyone they're close not to say it to. Everybody. We're all in this together. You know that, right? Like we're all in the same boat, the same generation right now. This nation we live in needs a church more than it's ever need in the world. And guess what that, in the, in the history of the world, guess what that means? People are more difficult than they've ever been. We're farther away from God than we've ever been as a nation. Think about that statement. Then how easy do you think it's going to be to reach these people? Yeah, but why do you got to act that way? You just said it. We're farther away from God than we've ever been as a nation. Who agrees with that statement? Everybody. Then how come they're so hard to reach? Because they're farther away from God than we've ever been in the history of the world. It's not rocket science. Yeah, but this generation's so hard. Yeah, we've established that. So who God's going to call? Oh, he's going to call someone with a word like, you're going to go into all the places nobody wants to go. You're going to be mocked and ridiculed. You're going to be picked on, laughed at. They're going to accuse you up and down and shatter your name. But with you, I will use you to break those children free. And everyone's hand goes, no. And you write that word out. And you take the first parts I say, scratch that, scratch that, scratch that, scratch that. Man, I feel like hell's all over me for some reason. Yeah. It's what's coming. It's what's coming. I guarantee you it's what's coming. The calls of God are going to start going from everyone feels good. That size is not much better. Everyone feels good to where actual men and women are getting called by God with real equipping and establishing calls. And it is going to make people clear away from prophets. It's going to make people run away from prophets. And it's going to make people demand the gift of prophecy over the establishment and over the work of the fivefold in equipping the saints. And I'm, I'm giving you this as a word. You can do what you want with it. But we will see a falling away of actual real prophets in this nation. And we will see a rising up of what is a gifting of the prophetic in the comfort and it will lead into the growth of one of the greatest movements of false prophets this country has ever seen. It's coming. It's coming. Because that is what the people want. It's what they want. They want Paul's gifting and they want a their half lifestyle in it right now and the only person who's going to tell you that and agree to that is satan it's the only one it's the only one because god's going to demand two things from you love the lord god with all your heart all your soul all your body all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself that's what he's going to demand and loving your neighbor as yourself is being stoned to death and looking up to heaven and saying forgive him not standing there holding the jackets while they're doing it justified. There's a story of a guy in your Bible that did that, and he got knocked down pretty hard. We are going to raise up because God's releasing in this nation right now the need for the prophetic. I know some of you can feel it. It's in your bones. You can feel it. But the church is going to raise up the gifting of prophecy. And that gifting of prophecy is going to be what leads and ushers in one of the greatest movements of false prophets I think this nation has ever seen. And only the elect and only those who are really looking are going to see it. Now, when I say that, some of your skin crawls and you're like, oh, that's negative. I know, because no one ever prophesied anything before it came bad in your Bible ever. We're supposed to be the head and not the tail. How do you know what not to look for? Right? You go somewhere and everything the prophet says is great, cushy, great, wonderful, great, wonderful, great, wonderful, run. No one lives right. Only God. Only God. Right? So what am I asking of all of you? Well, glad you asked. We end on it. I want all of you to find that spot with God, that timeline, that calling, that vision that's coming down and being released. I want you to grab that actual commandment from God, that actual word that's in it that actually establishes you. Own it, grab it, and start warring and fighting with it. Equip yourself for what's coming. And if you're looking for the feel good and all that, 
it's simply not going to be found. I, I know that this is hard for people to, to hear, but if you were one of the children in Egypt and somebody was coming in telling you how great God was and that he has all these wonderful things for you and that you're going to have riches and gold and flowers and you're going to have all the milk and honey and all this right there and then you go to work for 15 hours a day and you watch your children uh, being born into it and working all day with you and your grandparents and people dying and bones breaking and thrown off buildings and just left in the mud to die, I guarantee you'd rather have an actual Moses show up with a staff in his hand and take you out of there. This country has had enough people tell him how great flowery roses and everything. Our youth, this nation, the adults need a Moses to come with a staff in his hand and free them from this stuff. No one in prison wants anything other than getting out of it. Nobody. When I was tormented and struggling, people tell me what I would do for God, great. They say you're gonna do this someday, great. You're gonna be that, great, who cares? I want out. That's what I want. Once I get out, you can tell me all the great things I'm going to do. But if you don't let me out of here, your promises don't mean a whole bunch to me. We are presenting this great, great, amazing God to this nation, and we're wondering why they're not grabbing it. We're not letting him out of prison first. Because half the church isn't out of prison. Half of, half of the people who go to church are still stuck and weighed down. Until we get healthy, how are we going to help people get healthy? And if every week we'll hear about how great we are, at some point, I'm done hearing about how great we are. Help me develop into the man that God's called me to be. Do that. Then give me the feast. But do that. And next week, we're going to talk about, you say, where is this example? I'm glad you asked. Next week, we're going to talk about a man named Jesus who demonstrate this entire principle we just talked about tonight 100%. He rebuked the religious people. He rebuked his own disciples. He was very stern, but he did feed people. He did all this stuff, but he led them out of prison along with the promises of who they are. Go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Go and wash. Pay your taxes. Do this. Like he was who he was. Gold coin, I know, but he did it. And then he said the greatest of all, he went and, you know, on a cross that we're going to talk about next week. And I think some of you need to be reminded of the example we have in Christ. He knew the whole time what he was going to. He knew the whole time on earth that he was the lamb. He knew it the whole time. He didn't just know it at 33. He knew it the whole time. The whole time he knew it. Imagine your whole ministry to know you're going to end up on a cross. That was him. That people are going to spit at you. and let, that He knew the whole time. And here we are today. We want a piece, a portion of that anointing, but none of the sacrifice, none of the sufferings of Christ. And next week we're going to read about those who are partakers in the suffering of Christ and what that benefits to us and what it means. I think you're going to be shocked and excited all at the same time. Isn't that good? Come on, you look super excited about it. Yeah. And it's going to establish you and help you, and someday you'll be one of those people that will say, man, thank you. When God takes you home, there'll be hundreds and thousands of people around you, not to worship you, but to give honor to what you did from the sacrifice of your life to help them get free and be in the kingdom of God. Isn't that awesome? Come on, isn't that good news? It's good news, right? I think it's exciting, and I hope by next week you're pretty excited about it as well. So we're going to wrap it up and be done. I don't know if I answered all your questions, but we can do it some more deeper next week if you want or the week after, but uh, we'll keep going in because it's coming. We're in the end days. The visions, the dreams are coming. I'm excited. Amen. Pray with me and we'll wrap this up uh, and get on back to what we're doing. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, God, for your word, for opening our eyes and our ears. We thank you, God, that you have placed in us tonight a deposit of faith. Uh, that we want to hear your true word in our life. We want to hear how to be completely sold out for you, how to just give everything to you, how to live a life worthy of our calling. Father, we ask tonight that you would raise up people that would shake this city, shake the state, shake the nation, that you would raise up the Pauls, the Timothy, the Peters, the ones uh, that would put their life second to the lives of what you've called your children to be. That no matter what age they are, God, that they would grab a hold of that call tonight, they would grab a hold of that word. They would place it deep, deep, deep in their heart. And they would determine tonight to start becoming a man or woman after your heart. That they would pursue wherever you have them in the things that you do. 
Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for using people in their workplace with signs and wonders. We thank you for giving people businesses to use the signs and wonders and giftings in their businesses. We thank you, God, for giving people opportunity to mall in the stores or wherever people go, the Home Depots, whatever it is, God, that you would use them for signs and wonders and miracles and deliverance, that you would just use them everywhere, not just in the buildings on Sundays or Fridays or Wednesdays, but everywhere you've called them, that you would release signs and wonders and deliverance in their hands, that you would give blind eyes sight, that they would see deaf ears open, they'd see someone in a wheelchair stand up. God, everyone that's in this room, everyone watching it, you would release on them tonight signs and wonders and healing and deliverance in their life, that it would start with their families, their workplace, that, Father, it would just multiply through wherever you have them, wherever they are in the walk of life, that they would own that call, own that portion of the kingdom building and start building right where they are at. We thank you, God, that you have not counted any of us as lost, but you have counted all of us as found tonight. And you, Father, are true to your word, so we are excited by faith to be used mightily in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.